0: so glad to be with you today. If we haven't met, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Vineyard Covington. And um, it's great to see you all here today. Thanks for being here. It's great to worship with you as well. Hey, um, have you ever had a God moment in your life? Nobody. Wow. Wow. Okay, I see some hands now. Thank you for that response. I really need you while I'm talking, guys. So I'm going to ask you things and you need to answer. Okay, I promise the questions will be easy enough. Thank you, Jesse. So a God moment, what I mean when I say that is basically it's a moment where God has stepped in to your current situation in a way that only God can do, all right? And lots of us have had a lot of those moments. For some people, it's one of those moments where you look back and you're like, I should have died in this situation, Like, I may not have realized it in that moment, or maybe you did, but I should have died. And I didn't. God stepped in. Maybe it was a moment where you were healed, unexplainably, and you went to the doctor, and he said, actually, you're good. I don't know exactly what happened, but what was bugging you is no longer here. I've had a lot of those moments in my life, um, little and big, and I think that it's really powerful to talk about them. Because our stories, like Carter's, was, you know, it lifts our faith up. They're exciting. Um, they're encouraging. And so I got a story to tell you. You ready? This one wasn't a God moment that directly impacted me, but I was really close to it. And so um, you're going to love it. A couple weeks ago, actually it's been three weeks now, uh, I'm part of a ministry here in town called uh, MASH Ministry, which is connected to Crossroads in Man Camp. If you've heard of Man Camp before, it is a gigantic ministry at a farm in Ohio. We had 2,700 dudes sign up for Man Camp this year, which is nuts. Anyway, uh, I'm part of the prayer team, and so part of the weekend is is that guys come into the prayer tent, and they sit down, and they receive prayer from us. So a guy comes into the prayer tent, meets with two of my buddies, Uh, early 20s. He came in because the guys he was camping with directed him, said, hey, go get prayer. So um, this is his story. He's a dude that's in recovery, and he's been clean for over a year, which is great. But he has had a lot of issues in his life since then. And a few weeks before uh, camp, he had left his girlfriend and his kids because he felt like he was no good for them. He had cheated on her multiple times, lied about it on top of that to make it worse, and he was just at the end of his rope. This dude is literally standing there with a gun in his hand, ready to pull the trigger. And at that moment, his brother calls him. And he told us his brother's not a great influence on his life, is in recovery as well. But he hadn't talked to him for a long time, and he just called him and he said, I miss you. So he puts the gun down, because this is the start of the God moment. Uh, But he doesn't meet up with his brother. He's just kind of hesitating a little bit, but he has a a minute of pause. That night, he's on Facebook, just scrolling like you do, and he sees an ad for man camp. And he's like, well, I've tried everything else. Maybe I'll go do this thing. But he only knows one Christian. (laughs) The guy that he works with, he calls him, and he says, hey, would you go to this camp with me? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this. And so he goes, let me, let me call you back. So he talks to his wife, his buddy. They kind of look online. They check it out. They vet it. He calls them back. He's like, all right, man, I'll go. They sign up two weeks before camp. So anyway, he's sitting down in the prayer tent, talking to our guys, telling us this story. And after hearing the story, my buddy starts to tell them about Jesus. And they're just like, hey, this is who Jesus is, and this is what he's done for you, and I think he stepped in so you could be here right now. And they even open up the Bible to him, and they start reading from the book of John and just talking about how Jesus did what he did and why he did it. And he accepts Jesus in that moment, and he confesses a ton of stuff, and he repents for a ton of stuff, and there's a lot of tears. And then, he, and then they say to him, hey, man, do you, do you want to get baptized? And he's like, yes, yes. And that's when I got involved. They came over to me like, we got to baptize this guy right now. Will you come down? And this is kind of a man camp thing. We baptized 85 guys a few weeks ago. And a lot of those were like this, just like spontaneous God moment that leads to this powerful thing. This guy was almost dead, literally. And he came back to life. And just so you know, he came clean with his girlfriend and he's trying to start over. Pray for him. So I think God moments are maybe not this dramatic all the time. I know they're not. But they can be. And the way that we've experienced them, another way to talk about it is it's the kingdom of God breaking in to our current reality. And affecting us in powerful ways. And that's what I want to talk more about today. So let's pray and then I'll talk more. So, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to be even more known here. We thank you for how good you are to us, for the God moments, for the story that I just told. We're so thankful that you stepped in and saved a life. So I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say through me today, and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay. So, for a minute, just for a minute, we're going to go back in time. To September. I, told, I talked to you guys about um, worldview, uh, the worldview of Jesus. And so whether you were here or not, that's okay. I'm going to give you a quick summary. Basically, the, the summary was is that we all have a way that we look at the world, don't we? And it's affected by a lot of different things, how we grew up, where we grew up, whether we had a parent or two or none, all kinds of things and they affect how we operate and how we move forward. And as we follow Jesus, if that's where you're at today, we want to follow him and have more of the way he looks at the world be our natural perspective. Does that make sense? We're just trying to be more like Jesus. This is just a really simple thing. He gave us a pretty awesome blueprint. So, um, by the way, if you didn't hear that talk, we have a podcast. Did you know we have a podcast? I just like five-second commercial, Vineyard Covington has a podcast. You're going to listen to all of our old sermons. If you were like, man, I like that, but I want to hear it again, or I missed, I want to hear it, podcast, y'all. I know you guys listen to a ton of podcasts already, so. Um, Anyway, check that one out. It was called Adopting the Worldview of Jesus. And so one of the things about Jesus' worldview that I want to point out to you is that he believed that God was involved in every aspect of our lives and is ready to break in at any moment. So one way to think about it is he was more surprised if the supernatural thing didn't happen than when it did. This was his natural processing grid, and that's one that we want to adopt. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than anything else in the Bible. Did you know that? This is the thing he talked about the most. Seems pretty important. Did you know that? By the way, I'm asking you a question right now. (laughs) Some yeses, some maybes. Okay, good, good. Um, Also, you know, think about it this way. Jesus said to seek first what? The kingdom of God, right? In the Lord's Prayer, one of the first things that we say is, let your kingdom come, right? And he uses the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in many parables when he's talking, doesn't he? So this is a pretty dominant theme. It's so dominant that in Mark 1, um, right at the beginning, this is like announcing things. I think we have a slide for this. So in Mark 1, 14 and 15, Jesus is coming on the scene and he is, um, basically, this is Mark's first quote for Jesus it says, Jesus went into Galilee. <clears throat> excuse me, proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. So from the moment that Jesus shows up on the scene, he begins to proclaim the reality of what is called the kingdom of God, and through stories and metaphors and miracles and healings. Jesus sends out this really important declaration that I want you to remember. The kingdom of God is breaking into this world and it changes everything. The kingdom of God is breaking into your world and it changes everything. But it's not that simple, is it? Um, Let me say it this way. The kingdom of God is God's rule and his reign. All right? But his reign is less about a place or an event. Think about kingdoms of the world. We think about a map and geography, and, and here's this kingdom, and here's some castles, or I don't know, whatever you think about when you think of kingdoms. Right? The kingdom of God is less about a place and more about God breaking in to your life, to the affairs of people today. It's a foretaste of the future, because if we went to a time when Jesus had come back again, Everything would be a little different, wouldn't it? The Bible talks about this. It says when Jesus comes back, there will be no more pain, no more death, no more suffering. But that's not where we're at today. So if I tell you, hey, guys, the kingdom has come near, and you're like, if this is the kingdom, it kind of sucks. Right? Like, I thought the kingdom was supposed to be great. Here's the thing. We've got a graph. Sorry, have I ever used a graph before? Could you put the graph up? I know. I may regret this. But it's going to be great. So let's think about it this way. So we have this time before Jesus came, right? Think about Old Testament scripture, before the Messiah came. And then we have the time since he has come. And we call that time the already and the not yet. And this is why we call it that, because the kingdom has come near already, but it's not fully realized, which is why the world kind of sucks, which is why death still happens and why cancer is still a thing, and addiction and depression are still prevalent. It hasn't been fully realized. But when Jesus comes back, his second coming, that's the age to come, and then everything will be made new. One of the best ways to describe this is to think about World War II. And if you think about that, I know how many history buffs do we have out there? Four, I love it. All right, we're all gonna learn something. Also, what, what does it take to be a buff? <laughs> you know? You've got to be a nerd. Maybe. So the Allies, the final push into Europe was called D-Day. Have you heard of D-Day, at least? Whether you're a buff or not. And as later history has shown, it was the decisive battle in World War II. It was the decisive battle. And once they had set up this position, it was only a matter of time before Hitler's armies surrendered and the war was won. But they call that V-Day, and the time between D-Day and V-Day, there were a lot of people that died, weren't there? There were a lot of battles that went a different direction. Think about that as the time between where when Jesus came the first time he's coming back. That's the age we're in right now. It's in between D-Day and V-Day. So the war has been won, but there's a lot of battles continuing to happen, When Jesus came and died and rose again, it changed everything. It meant the kingdom could break in at any moment. But it's not permanently here all the time. Does this make sense? Do you love or hate my graph? I didn't draw it personally, so I can't, if you love it. thank. Pretty good. I'll take pretty good. Thanks, Jesse. So in this era, God's will isn't always done. Did you hear that? That messes with our head a little bit sometimes. But think about it. I mean, just one example is, if God's will was always done today, then why would we be asked by Jesus to pray, let your will be done? Jesus is like, when you pray, this is part of the most famous prayer ever, the the Our Father, let your will be done. Attached to it, let your kingdom come. Here's one more analogy to help you, because it helps me. And this is from my dad, who's not here today, but he used to think about it this way, or talk about it this way. He's like, you know how in the Midwest, spring, summertime, we look at the weather report, and there's just like, the conditions are right for a thunderstorm. And the weather might might even say like, hey, 80% chance of a thunderstorm today, between one and five o'clock. But as you and I both know, sometimes the thunderstorm doesn't happen. Often whether people are wrong, aren't they? We like to say that. It's true, though. It's a hard thing. So think about it like this. The kingdom of God coming near means that conditions are always right for a lightning strike, for a thunderstorm. The conditions since Jesus came are correct. They're right for those things to happen, for someone to get healed, for someone's brother to call someone else in a moment and say, I miss you but those things don't always happen because God's will is not being done all the time. Are you with me? Thank you, Peggy. (laughs) This is good participation. Just just saying. You guys are doing great. So I want to look at a passage of Scripture that will help us today as we dig into this a little bit more. And it's from Luke chapter 4. So would you get your Bibles out? I know, it's church, y'all. I know it's probably on your phone. That is acceptable. But there's something great about a paper Bible like this. I'd encourage you to uh, make that a part of your repertoire. So this is Luke 4, 14 through 21. And what's going on here is uh, Jesus was baptized before this. And immediately after his baptism, he is sent into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And he wins. Spoiler alert, by the way. Quotes a lot of scripture. Satan takes off. It's great. And then this is what happens next, according to Luke. And it says, Uh, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, and as was his custom. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Have you ever heard this story before? Yes. Thank you for those yeses. Appreciate you all. It's a great story, and there's a lot going on here, so I just want to like, walk through it with you a little bit. okay? So keep those Bibles open if you have them. Um, so, first of all, I think it's really significant to note that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Verse 14 says that, doesn't it? And so, this is a good way or reminder to you that when Jesus walked the earth, he was fully God, but he was fully man. He was reliant upon the Holy Spirit. And we're like, wait a minute, what? what does that mean? Paul talks about this in Philippians 2 when he says, Have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in the nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. So this is Paul's way to say, Jesus was a dude walking around like us. It wasn't like he was floating, you know, steps along the way. I mean, he did walk on water that one time, but you know what I mean. But he was relied fully on the power of the Holy Spirit. This is really significant. The reason is is because that's the same way that we are today. We're relying on the Holy Spirit fully, aren't we? So, verses 15 through 17, um, Jesus' ministry is underway now, his public ministry. We don't have a lot of stories about Jesus before his public ministry when he was around 30 years old. And so this is where things kind of kick off. And it sounds like he's getting a lot of positive attention, but he goes back home to Nazareth where everybody knows him, and they remember him as an awkward teenager. And they're like, this guy, Uh, okay, this is that Jesus guy. We know him. He's not as awkward now. That's good. But he gets an opportunity to read from the scroll of Isaiah, which is how they would do it in the synagogue at the time. And he picks and starts to read from chapter 61. So in your Bible, it's Isaiah 61. And he starts right at the beginning, but he reads only the first two verses, and he kind of stops mid-sentence. Later on, look at Isaiah 61. You'll see what he did. And then he sits down and he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is like a mic drop Jesus moment, right? Where he's just like, you know, this is fulfilled. Let me paraphrase it this way. It's be like if Jesus read all this and he's like, "The the thing that I was just talking about, it's me. I'm the guy. And the things that I'm talking about, they start right now. this had to blow the minds of the people that he was reading it to, like, big time. And a lot of them got really angry, and they kind of wanted to kill him right then. Like, seriously, it was a tense moment. They thought it was blasphemous in this moment. But... It was powerful. And the kingdom of God breaks through in this announcement multiple times. And I just want to give us a few examples. Because the way that the kingdom breaks through in the announcement of Jesus here is consistent with how it does today for you and me. God moments, remember? There's four ways. Sorry, there are like hundreds of ways. There's four I'm going to talk about. All right? (laughs) The first one is through preaching the good news. Remember, Jesus says... When he quotes Isaiah, because he has anointed me, or he has chosen me, to proclaim good news to the poor. So what is good news? Well, part of the good news was that this guy that they've been waiting for, meaning the Jews, the Messiah, is here. (laughs) Right now. And in Mark 1, when Jesus says that proclaiming the good news, the kingdom has come near. So again, I'm the dude, it starts now. This is what Jesus is saying. The Messiah is here, this is amazing news. And the kingdom of God has come near right now. Whereas it may have been more common for someone that was listening at the time to think, okay, when I die, I stand before God, he's going to decide my fate. And Jesus is like, the kingdom is breaking in right now actually. There's less waiting involved. So how does the kingdom break in through good news for you and me today? Lots of ways. But to me, one of my favorites is that the kingdom breaks through through good news, through strengthening, encouraging, and comforting words, doesn't it? Some of you have received prayer from a friend or someone else who has given you something that has strengthened your faith, has given you a word that has comforted a decision that you're trying to make has given you something that only God could know as he has worked through them. So good news is often strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. The best news, though, really, is that Jesus died for you. That's the best news ever. If you would have been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. And it wiped your slate clean. So whether you're following Jesus today or not... That should be good news. And he's inviting you into accepting that reality right now because he loves you so much. Paul talks about this in Romans 5 when he says, you see, at just the right time, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This levels the playing field. This means you can't do anything to earn it. You don't deserve it. And again, if you were listening to this as a Jew at that time, you're thinking, oh, someday I'm going to stand before God, the righteous judge, and he's going to decide if I'm guilty or innocent. But Paul says what Jesus did was he made you innocent before you die. That's crazy. But this is what he's saying. And this is the kingdom breaking backwards into our current reality. Not only are you innocent now, but you didn't do anything to to deserve it or earn it. It becomes about something totally different. This is good news. This is a God moment. The second thing is, when the kingdom breaks in, we see the end of oppression. Jesus talks about this in this passage where he says, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, or like a release from captivity, and to set the oppressed free. Being oppressed is really just like to be powerless or to be abused by people in power or systems of power. And when Jesus was talking about this, there are a lot of oppressed people. And there's a lot of oppressed people today. And it's not limited to oppression from people in power. It's also consistent with spiritual oppression. People that just kind of feel like they have a dark cloud that's rolling with them all the time. This is an oppressive thing. And Jesus says when the kingdom breaks in, those things change and they break. I'm going to tell you another quick story. So a friend of mine <clears throat> I was talking to a few weeks ago, and um, he had a really scary dream. And he said, I had this dream the other night that the devil was trying to pull me into hell. And I, that got my attention. I was like, wow, okay. And he continued to talk and he said, you know, when, when I was 13, I got in trouble at school and I got assigned to write 3,000 lines for stealing something. And he's like, in that moment, I made a pact. And when I wrote those lines, it felt like I did it in five minutes. But ever since then, my life has been terrible. And I, that got my attention. And so I said, hey, man, I just think that in the same way that you made an agreement, you can break it. And are you ready to do that today? And he renounced the agreement that he had made a long time ago with a dark spiritual power, and he got free from that in that moment. And he told me, I feel like I'm floating or that I'm going to fall down when we're praying for him. And he's a different person. I saw him again a week later, and one of the guys was like, that guy's different. Something's different with him. So what happened? The kingdom broke in and ended the oppression of my friend, didn't it? That was over like that. The third thing is healing. Jesus talks about recovery of sight for the blind. And when healing happens, it's another sign of the kingdom breaking into our reality. And a lot of you have had these experiences. It may not be physical healing. It may be emotional. There's lots of different ways that God heals. It may not have been instant healing. It may have been gradual. There's lots of ways that God heals. And I don't want to exclude when we get healed from doctors. Because God's part of that. Right? He might set you up with the right person and the right prescription (laughs) that gets you where you need to go. God created that person that helped you. Healing is another way the kingdom breaks in. I heard some stories about the outpouring and some healing that were powerful. You should talk to the youth about that. And the fourth thing, so first thing is good news, second, ending oppression, third, healing. The fourth thing Jesus says that I want to point out, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what does that mean? Well, It means jubilee or the year of jubilee. So Jewish hearers would know that the year of the Lord's favor, he's talking about the year of jubilee. And it's not something that we talk a lot about, but it's basically a system that Moses got from God back in Leviticus. If you want to take a deep dive, it's in Leviticus 25. And basically the summary is that God tells him every 50 years or following seven cycles of seven years, that certain things were supposed to happen. I'm not going to list them all, but I'm just going to give you a couple because they connect here. The release of slaves was supposed to happen. Debt forgiveness was supposed to happen. Feasting and celebration was supposed to happen. Right? Yeah. Jesus is saying, this starts now because I'm that guy. You know what jubilee is, Jewish hearers. We know less about it. But when he's like, it's it's jubilee, they're like, wait, what? Is it, I don't, are you sure? But the kingdom breaks in, and the jubilee is a great picture of the kingdom. Releasing people from slavery, celebrating. Like, when Jesus comes back again, this is going to be our reality. Because the kingdom will be fully revealed. Does that make sense? I know jubilee is not a thing we talk a lot about. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? So the kingdom coming near is represented in all of these things. And in so much more, right? And yet the age that we live in now just isn't that full realization. So what does it mean for us today? November of 2023. Well, first of all, I just want to say that this is part of that shift of our worldview. Remember when we talked about how we look at the world and I referenced that other sermon that you loved? Remember that? (laughs) Um, I feel like our our perspective shift to see things the way Jesus sees them more is tied directly to kingdom God moments breaking in to our current reality. And so are we ready for that? Are we open to that? Do we think, my worldview says that God is good, but he heals other people, not me. Or my worldview says that I love Jesus and he did everything for me, but he only breaks in with people that pray a lot more than me. Our worldviews say that, whether we want to admit it or not. It's more how we act than what we might say, right? And so God wants to heal that. He wants you to see things more the way Jesus saw it and recognize that in this already-not-yet era, the conditions are right for a lightning strike. But they don't always happen. And so what do we do with that? Well, to me, I, I want to be reminded, and I want to remind you about the, the not-yet part of it too because we can overemphasize both. We can be like, kingdom's here, y'all. Everything's happening. What, you're not healed? Just have more faith. You'll be fine. no. Nope. That's not what we're saying. Why, do not, why does the kingdom not break in all the time? And part of what I said before is, it's because we are living in an era where God's will is not the only will being done. The will of sinful men and women are being done still. The will of our enemy is being done sometimes still. It is. That's why I said sometimes... We look around and we're like, this sucks. And so we ask God, God, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. If that's all you ever pray, you're going to be doing pretty good. That covers a lot, doesn't it? Let your God moment break in in my family today. Let your will be done in the conflict in the Middle East. All the things that we might have on our heart can be covered with these things. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Does this make sense? I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. Again, that's why we have the podcast. You can listen again. (laughs) I'm really pushing the podcast today, aren't I? Hey, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up right now. And um, they're going to play another song. But while they do that, And while you worship with us, I want you to be thinking and asking God, where is it in my life that I need to have that shift, that I need to see things differently? Where do I need to be more prepared for those lightning strikes, for the kingdom to break in? What is it about me that you're healing right now? Okay. And then I'm going to come back up and we're going to have some time where we Uh, get ready to pray for each other. Sound good?